Well, it's been another week, another tough week. The Supreme Court struck a blow to unions and collective bargaining. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy tendered his resignation. The House rejected a bill to protect the Dreamers. Migrant families have been separated at the border. Restrictions and criminalization of asylum seekers has increased. And the building of tent cities for migrants is scheduled to begin in a few days. In Pittsburgh, an unarmed African-American teen, 17-year-old Antoine Rose, was killed by a police officer. And then there came the shooting at a newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland, which left five dead and others injured. Wendy Winters, a Unitarian Universalist and a member of the Annapolis, Maryland congregation who was known for her work with Unitarian Universalist youth in our district, was among those killed. The news hasn't been all bad. But what I am hearing from people is a current of despair, anxiety, reactivity, and frustration. There's also a deep current of anger and blaming. This week, a tough week, I have experienced a kind of whiplash reacting to each event, each news story, each day with a sense of what is going to happen next, and each day seeking to find a way to restore some sense of balance. This morning, I planned to talk about spiritual practices. The worship associates selected spiritual practices as the summer worship theme. And this week, I thought I would talk about what a spiritual practice is and why it is important and how we all need regular spiritual practices rooted in everyday experiences. And all week, I kept thinking, really? Really? I don't know if I can talk about this when the sky is falling. These are times for action, I kept thinking to myself. And then I hearkened back to last week's General Assembly. 2,000 Unitarian Universalists gathered from across the nation and internationally as well. Delegates arrived, as they do every year, to represent our congregations and make decisions in line with Unitarian Universalist values. Collectively, we ask questions and reflect on the kinds of answers that Unitarian Universalism has to offer, the kinds of answers the world needs, the kinds of questions the world needs, 
the kinds of things that are grounded in our liberal religious values, our human values. Those decisions speak directly to the kinds of issues that have been so prominent in the news in recent months and days. Those include decisions about the importance of black and brown lives, transgender and differently abled lives, the lives of youth, the lives of immigrants, indigenous lives, the life of this planet, prisoners' lives. Three actions of immediate witness were selected. And two of our delegates, Tanya Wenger and Pat Uribe Lichty, were there and helped to craft the final language of one of them. And that action is very near and dear to this world and this community because we have been working on this issue. And that action is end family separation and detention of asylum seekers and abolish ICE. The other two, if you're curious, are dismantle predatory medical care practices in prisons and end prisons for profit. And we are all related. Solidarity now with indigenous water protectors. Delegates also changed the Unitarian Universalist Association bylaws, which I know bylaws never sound real like sexy stuff, right? But they were changing the bylaws to reflect gender inclusive language, shifting he, she, him, her to they, there. Also at General Assembly, the historic marginalization of our religious educators and our youth was addressed by two key decisions. Religious educators were enthusiastically and overwhelmingly voted delegate status to General Assembly. Youth were voted full status for two positions on the Unitarian Universalist Association Board of Trustees. What struck me as much as anything about this year's General Assembly was the decision-making process itself. It included intentional spiritual practice. Now, I remember when I first went to General Assembly about 20 years ago or so, there were lots and lots and lots of long, tedious debates about anything and everything. There were lots of proposed amendments and language controversies, arguments and debates and frustration as a community espousing love and worth, the gathered assembly was too often left with a sense that we were warring factions with winners and losers. While we were trying to save the world out there with our social justice passions, 
We were trampling each other in the process. What I have witnessed this year and in recent years is a growing respect for what it means to weave together the threads of decision-making, activism, and spirituality. To ensure that our process and our relationships with one another are as humane as the statements and actions we produce. Even a seemingly small decision this year speaks to this. The con mic, because there's always a pro mic and a con mic, which you can imagine why that can sometimes lead to this debate, right? Long lines of people forming. Well, this year, that con mic was dubbed a mic of concern, whereas so often it was a mic of controversy. Also, during this time where these decisions were being made, our moderators would remind and help delegates. Sometimes in previous years, delegates would be fumbling to figure out how to navigate the system, how to navigate the rules, how to help move forward what they were really trying to do. And so the moderators worked really hard to ease those tensions and those constraints. When delegates seemed to be collectively struggling, moderators would remind them that, and I was a delegate off-site, moderators would remind us that you could vote to suspend the rules. Before crucial and potentially divisive decisions, delegates were asked to take a few minutes and turn and reflect with a neighbor on a question related to the topic. I'm kind of imagining what it would be like if some of our legislators would do this, right? Before votes, the moderators led us in prayer. We sang between business agenda items. We are religious people, whether we are gathered to make decisions or to worship. Another thing they've been doing is taking decisions and breaking them down so that small groups are meeting separate from the large assembly and bringing their decision-making and their ideas back to the larger group. It's so powerful because, as we know, you can't write by committee, especially a committee of 2,000 people. It doesn't work. The leadership model has also been an inspiration to me in these times. Our leadership has been working collaboratively. A number of our key Unitarian Universalist Association positions have moved from being held by one person to being held by multiple people. They talk about how this takes a lot more time but that the result 
is powerful because one person is just one person, one voice. We learned that the Unitarian Universalist Association board in its own meetings has suspended the use of Robert's Rules of Order and instead strive for consensus. Imagine that. As with previous assemblies, between those business sessions, there were times of worship, times of education, times of spiritual practice, times to take actions of witness, time to break bread with old and new friends. So yes, these are tough times we are in, times where we are called to action. Yet, they are times when the importance of the spiritual practices of our community, of our faith, of our individual lives cannot be underestimated. We need both. This summer, as we embark on the theme of spiritual practices and our worship services, our General Assembly offers us a reminder of just how critical those spiritual practices are to the work. When woven with the business, with the work, with the activism, spiritual practices strengthen community. The division between justice and spirituality, between work and spirituality, between activism and prayer, is a rather arbitrary one. The language of spirituality and justice gives us a way to talk about certain experiences and ideas, but does not serve us well when it separates them into two rigid categories. After all, if you've been to a vigil, how many of you have been to a vigil? Most, most of you have been to a vigil. Tonight's your chance. If you attend tonight's vigil, you will know what I am speaking of because there will be silence and there will be song, and there will be stories that will fill the air. There will be community. Our presence will be a spiritual and a political act. When times get tough, we need to act, and we need to act from a place of spiritual grounding. Our way of making justice has to be rooted in our deepest values and in our humanity. As we wrestle with the urgent calls to justice, spiritual practice can also be the very thing that makes it possible for us to continue on. Without spiritual practice, I lose my balance, my patience, my compassion, my hope, 
my joy, my deepest connection to spirit, my deepest connection to others, my commitment to collaboration, to healing, to transformation. Without spiritual practice, I lose my humanity, the very breath of life. Without active engagement, I lose my community, my connection to others, my part in the interconnected web, my power to affect change and to be changed, the opportunity to give shape to the world and to be shaped by it. I lose the hope for planetary healing and beauty. Without engagement, I lose my humanity, the very breath of my life. This summer, as we engage in reflecting on and embodying spiritual practices, I invite you to seek and reflect on those places where the two intersect. Where does one feed and nourish and encourage the other? How do you bring spiritual practice to your justice work? And how do you bring your justice work to your spiritual practice? These are the warp and the weft. You can't weave a tapestry without both of them. Spiritual practices are not meant to remove us from our lives and from daily experiences, nor is activism meant to remove us from ourselves, from what we might call spirit. Being a Unitarian Universalist calls on us to be people of spiritual depth and social engagement, to weave tapestries of our lives and with the lives of others. When asked by a priest to speak at his church, author Barbara Brown Taylor asked him, what do you want me to talk about? And his answer was simple. Come tell us about what is saving your life now. We each need to be asking ourselves that question. What is saving my life right now? And we each need to reflect on and answer that question for ourselves. On what does my life depend but let's not stop with that question. Let's also ask, on what does the life of the world depend? Amy Marie Brown asks a similar question. What are the practices you need to line your life up with your values and beliefs? She says, I have found that the work of cultivating personal resilience healing from trauma, self-development and transformation is actually a crucial way to expand what any collective body can be. We heal ourselves and we heal in relationship. And from that place, simultaneously, we create more space for healed communities, healed movements, healed worlds. To cultivate our individual selves and our communities in line with our values creates more healing for ourselves and the planet. Spiritual practices save lives. Meditation and prayer vigils and letters to the editor, marches, calls to legislators, deep 
listening, forgiveness, humility, and planting trees? Where does spirituality end and justice begin? Where does justice end and spirituality begin? It is really impossible to say and improbable to imagine one without the other. Spiritual practices that are aligned with our deepest commitments and values have the potential to transform. Practices that affirm and advocate human worth, fairness, compassion, peace, interconnection, and appreciation of difference and decentering whiteness can save lives. When the news arrives, a personal loss, a national tragedy, microaggressions and macroaggressions, inhumanity, hatred, bigotry, when news of these arrives, spiritual practice can give us courage and hope and resilience. It can help us breathe, can fuel our engagement and our re-engagement over the long haul in the calling to be our most human selves. Spiritual practice can return us to ourselves, to our deepest humanity, and to the spirit of life, to God. It can draw us deeper into the community of all beings, where our stories and our voices and our values are needed. May we ever heed the call to the spiritual practice of being human. Amen. Blessed be.